We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we're going to continue our player preview today. This is the first, we got a little bit into Juan Toscano Anderson, but we're uh, this is going to be the first pod where we really get into one of the new guys. And so we're going to start with Lonnie Walker the fourth. And Walker is a guy that a lot of our conversation so far has been framed through his contract, right? The usage of the taxpayer MLE and, uh, you know, who else could have been available? You know, there's some positional overlap, but we haven't talked a lot about him as a player. And I've gotten to watch a bit of tape on him and I have several thoughts, but I do want to start and, uh, but I do want to start with the positive. I think that we've built a team guys that is probably going to play fast this year. Whether or not Russell Westbrook is on the team, we got a lot of guys in their 20s, a lot of athletes, a lot of open court type of players. And that's the environment where I think Walker is really going to thrive with this group. He's a guy where playing in the transition game involves a certain amount of ability to go from running at full speed to stopping and being under control. And so he's a guy that can run, you know, fill a lane, you know, uh, at, at, at full speed and then stop and raise up for a jumper or finish at the rim. Uh, but that open court style of game really speaks to a degree of athleticism that he has and a degree of like kind of on ball scorer as well. That can be an on ball or an off ball guy, but can, you know, really get out and run and thrive in that type of atmosphere. And I think, and this is something that Darvin Ham's spoken a lot to, D, that we're going to be a fast team this year. And I think that Walker is the type of player who can thrive in that type of environment. So I agree. I agree. Right. One of the reasons why I think um, the team is going to be geared towards transition is because, A, that's where the easiest baskets are scored. And shooting percentages and effective field goal percentage and points per possession, those all skyrocket when you're in transition. And um, the Lakers, when they won the championship, and the Bucks, which Darvin Ham was on their staff, when they won the championship, they were really high percentage in terms of um, percentage of possessions used. They were 
high level transition teams, right? And so like I think it's important to zero in on what Ham wants and then to start to think about how players fit in to that. And I agree that Walker can be a threat in transition. I'll be very interested to see what he's like as more of a lane filler than as a guy who's looking to receive outlet passes. Because in a lot of what I saw with the Spurs, it was like when he was in the he when he was in the game, it's like him and DeJounte Murray and like like Walker maybe gets a quick outlet or he gets a rebound and he's pushing and he's going. And with a lot of the guys on the team this year, I don't think that's going to be his best role. Mm, Like mm -hmm. there are players who are going to be better than him at that. And so it's. It's important, I think, that you brought up the idea of him as a finisher, as him as a secondary guy who can hit a trail three, who can run deep corner, who can take the ball in the middle part of the court, like on like a diagonal, for example, and then get downhill quickly and use his athleticism and use his bounce to attack the basket. And I do think, Mike, that he's going to benefit from having players like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and if he's here, even Russell Westbrook, who demand a lot of attention themselves in transition. And guys are often trying to build a wall against those three players all of the time, whenever it's transition. And so that allows a player who has Walker skill set to be even more effective than what he would be if he was the guy who's trying to play in the middle of the Mm -hmm. court with the ball in his hand. So that's one of the things I'm looking for from Walker is for him to take even more steps in the direction of like, I'm a finisher rather than like, I'm the guy with the ball in my hands. And that's true in the half court, especially. But I think it's also true in transition. For me, a lot of the Lonnie Walker discussion entering this season and the way that we're going to talk about him is about expectations and mine I think are lower than probably whatever the standard one is based on the fact that he got the one one of the few contracts or really the only one that was not a minimum in the offseason and which I think discounts how few players were available mm-hmm. in that spot especially if you were only going to give one year and we've gone over that in the past but I just think it's kind of an important disclaimer so in other words like if you guys told me hey uh, Mike, there's this great restaurant when you go up next time to the Bay, Darius is going to take you that you have to order this main entree like it's amazing. And then I go with Darius and I and I eat it and it's not great. Then like that's going to be one reaction. But if if I go up there and you say, hey, there's a bunch of appetizers, Darius is paying tonight. So there, he's going to put five of them out there. I'm not going to tell you which one cost a little more, but just go ahead and sample them all. And I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, this one's fine. Like it's so that's where to me Lonnie Walker is one of those appetizers. It might taste better on a certain night if the chef is there. Am I catching no, a straight? I here? feel like I, I feel like he. You just like channeled yourself through Mike. I was like, because you're you're great at the analogies. Where I'm like, where the hell is he going with this? And then like, oh, okay, there it is, right there at the end. You know, you bring it bring it home. I feel like Mike just did that. He did an excellent <laughs> job. I also think that I caught a couple of strays there because Mike's talking about my choices. Not being very good inherently. Oh, like, I see. Oh, this thing's the best, but it's actually right. not. Right. They've actually, well, guys no, no, have no. actually gone out stu- to eat meals, right? So Mike's like, <laughs> right you know, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> Darius recommends yeah. something. You know, but, just 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 saying. I, I see what you caught there. 
Mike's getting back at me because of the big soup energy <laughs> comments, right? He's still holding grudges about that yeah. stuff. So it goes well, back. So I see how it is. But, yeah, but yeah, please so, continue. So, so Walker's Mike, one of the appetizers. I thought what I said was that somebody, I was just out to dinner with you and somebody oh, else recommended got this you. entree. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, we'll people can hit the, the rewind yeah. 30 seconds or 15. Yeah, I'll, I'll hear it tomorrow. But because my, I definitely wouldn't question your taste, Darius. That was not part of my, you were the one questioning my taste with the hot soup. This is uh, true. Frankly. I knew the soup would be good. It was just hot. It was just hot outside. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's so, all I'm saying. So now that we have that established, I'm glad, I'm glad that's all, that we're all safe on that one. So when I, when I went back and I watched a bit of, of Lonnie Walker and it was, you know, as I remembered Lonnie Walker, where so every once in a while, and I'd be watching from the Lakers covering the Lakers perspective. So I might have a story on Lonnie Walker to tell, like if he goes off and then I might try to get into the broadcast, although, you know, usually it's going to be more in the context of how he fits in alongside a Lakers player. But I, I do remember like when he's on the court, you are aware of him mm-hmm. and as a defense. And like other coaches are aware when he comes in, he has a pretty high usage. I think it was second on the Spurs, even though he came off the bench and like, he's going to shoot the ball. Like he's going to attack you, but it's not, it's not, he's not one of those guys at the top of the scouting report where you have to shift your defense towards. And that just plays right back into my expectations game. But I think we're going to talk about a lot more of this specifically. I just wanted to put the disclaimer out there beforehand and get back to what Pete uh, saw, because I, I know you teed this up, Pete, but I'm curious what, what your takeaways were. No, I actually think that there's a lot of what you said there and a lot of what Darius said earlier. There's some tie-in in that it's going to be interesting to see Walker on a team where the defense is worried about like three other dudes first most likely. Um, And because in San Antonio, like this is something, an argument about DeJounte Murray, for example, is like how much is his all-star appearance a function of touches and usage, right? Like San Antonio didn't play a particularly serious style of basketball last season. And in, in a lot of Walker's tenure, they've been kind of around the same type of team. It's not the old Popovich teams that are really like regimented. That was one thing that stood out from watching them on tape. I'm like, this team's pretty loose in a lot of aspect. Now they're young and they play hard and they get out and run. And now that's not to say that a player is not responsible for their own actions within that type of environment. But I think that it is notable that when you go from that type of place to a place that's trying to get back to contention that has like established stars, established guys that are going to have the ball, I think that has an impact on a guy like Walker. And one of the positives that we can see from that, Mike, is that like less attention on him, you know? Yeah. So a couple things just quickly, and I want to kick this right back to you. But to me, San Antonio was a team that played really hard. Uh, They just didn't have a lot of talent. uh, And, you know, and they were young. So it was so therefore, maybe that's related to the um, not serious part of it. But I just didn't think they had the types of players where, you know, where you could expect. For sure. I mean, we were like that uh, for several years when we were young. That's one of the thing parts of being it's not like a criticism of of how they play. It's just they were just a looser style, you know. And, and they did play hard, but the but the only the only kickback to you on that is so like Taylor Horton Tucker, right? For example, not a player who the defense was always going to be loaded up on if LeBron or AD was out there. And you know, does that mean that he that he therefore is able to show more 
Like if you put in a, a walker or not, and I don't know if those things always go hand in hand. So that's the thing that ties in with Darius's point is that you have to be effective off of the ball, not the guy that gets the ball and pushes up in transition. This could apply to half court just as it could in transition is that like a THT struggles because he can't hit the spot up. He's, he doesn't operate off of the ball. Walker's more of a hybrid type of guy where he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. He's good on some high ball screen actions, but he's kind of like if in that like four out, style he's a guy who could be up top or in the corner and so i i think your point d about like how can he finish off of the ball like there's something there so let's take a break when we come back i'd love to hear your thoughts on that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I just want to make one quick point. Walker was second on the Spurs in usage rate, Mike, so that's a good point. But he was second on the Spurs with a 23.6 usage. So this speaks to the Spurs type of basketball as well. And so, Pete, you're right. They were a much looser team. They weren't as regimented and as disciplined as a typical pop team. But that's going to happen when like 80% of your roster is like 25-year-old dudes and younger, right? Murray led the team in usage, and he was an all-star, but his usage was like 28%. And so that's still not like – that's like, okay, like you're our star, but you're not one of the league's stars, right? Like Luka and guys like LeBron and those dudes, they'll be over 30 with their usage routinely. And a guy like Luka and like prime Russell Westbrook or Harden, those those dudes would be up near like 40%, like 38 37%. And so the Spurs – did run a fairly like egalitarian offense, right? Like everybody could shoot, like swing the ball, like make the right play, pass, make the pass, make the open pass. And then if you're open, you pretty much can shoot it, right? And that's why a bunch of guys had usage rates in the like 18, 19, 20, 22% area, 
And getting back to the point, though, about Walker then and like his effectiveness in the half court, some of what I'm looking at, Pete, isn't about like, can you do some of this stuff? It's what is your decision making in deciding what you're going to do with the ball when it's coming your way or when you have it, right? Because the Lakers are not going to run an egalitarian offense. They are not going to have eight, seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. guys in the usage range between 18 and 26. That's not going to happen. LeBron's going to have a usage rate of over 30. AD's going to have a usage rate of over 30. If Russell Westbrook is on the team, he's going to have a usage rate in the like, I would imagine, about where Murray's was, if not higher. So that's already three dudes who are going to monopolize the ball to the level of the team that he just came from, their best player, and even more than that, right? And so what I'm looking for from Walker, and this is where I'm going to just punt this to you guys, it's going to be a change for him. He's going to have to adjust because if he decides he's just going to take on a bunch of usage and he plays to the level that he did with the Spurs last season, he's not going to play very much. I just don't see it happening because he shot 40% from the field last year and he made like 30% of his three pointers. Like, and this goes back to like Mike's expectations point. Like, yes, the Lakers spent their mini mid level on him, but he did not perform last season to some key starter type of level, right? Like he played like a role player. And that's how Lakers fans should be envisioning Walker and like role players. They have their good nights where a couple of games, Mike, he 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 busted the Lakers one time that they played them last season. And then you look at clips from another game and you're just like, oh, wait, what's this? This isn't the dude who played the Lakers last night. This is a different dude. And so the expectation point matters And his decision-making point, like the point that I'm trying to make about his decision-making, I think that's probably the most important thing about his game that I'm going to be interested in seeing just how he evolves this season in that direction, if he evolves at all. I think it's informing that we've been talking mostly about his offense, too. And and I think that we just sort of, as an NBA community, tend to do that. It's the thing that's a little bit easier to analyze. Like, you really got to get into the film you know, and watch a, a full game, you can pull out his highlights easily. You can just type in Lonnie Walker highlights. But like, like I was watching a, a random game against the Pacers later in the season last year. And, you know, defensively, he's not it's not that he's bad, but he's not somebody that you're going to view as like he's going to cement himself uh, into the rotation because of his defense. You know, you're going to you're going to put him on guys. Uh, and, and I see I'm curious what Pete's expressions are, uh, are going to be when he says this. <laughs> Or what, as I say this, but I, before we get to his defense, the point I wanted to make about his offense is really more to do with the shooting Darius. And you mentioned the percentages and of course they were bad right last year. Now his splits after the all-star break were better. These always come with a caveat. A it's only 16 games, you know, B some of those games are just not that serious, especially depending on who you're playing. If you're a bad team, but he shot the three way below his own standard as a shooter before the break. Like he, he was 29% uh, in, in the first 56 games. And to me, that was just that he's not that bad of a shooter. Mm-hmm. Like he's a pretty good shooter. He's got a nice stroke. He's got good uh, lift on it. So in half of the shots that he takes are threes. 
And so that's why his overall percentage was lower, um, I thought. So I'm, I think there is some upside there, especially playing off LeBron in, in that kind of a sense as a shooter. But um, I, was, I was curious, Pete, what you saw defensively from Walker and how you think that he might be able to fit in or not. <laughs> yeah, defensively, remember in his intro press conference for us, I think he had a response to one of your questions. He said, I'm here to play defense. And when I was watching his tape, that quote was going through my my head. I was and I was thinking, well, you weren't in San Antonio to play defense. Yes, he wasn't. Okay, good. So I for, I was like, when, when I saw your face, I was like, wait, does, did Pete think his defense was better no, than I did? No, but okay, no, you're just with me. It, okay, yeah, okay. And, and what it is is it's a couple of things. Like most importantly is sometimes you'll watch tape on a guy. This is one of the things that's that can be maddening about Russell Westbrook on defense, where you if you just watch him on a possession, it's like. Oh, you just clearly don't care on this play, right? It's not a matter of capability. It's just, like, I saw a possession of Walker guarding John Morant, right? So he was the on-ball defender on John Morant. And he's like standing straight up. He's very relaxed, right? Like of all of the guys defending on the ball that you cannot be relaxed against and not in a defensive athletic stance, like ready to move your feet. Freaking John Morant, if you can't like get up for guarding John Morant on the ball, right? Or weak side rotations where he just lets guys front cut him. And and so it's like so egregious on some plays where it's like, we're not talking capability. We're talking a matter of focus and a matter, a, a matter of like, how much does he care about this? And so that's something that when I see that on tape, that that's concerning. Now, in a different environment, in a place where I don't think Darvin Ham's going to go for that, I don't think LeBron James is going to go for that. There's potential, right, for that to come out in a different way. But when I see it on tape, D, that's one of those things that I'm like, hmm, if you're going to have a reduced usage on offense and you're going to be more of an off-ball player because you got three guys at usage percentages, 28 or over, that means you're shooting the ball every few plays, but you're playing defense every play. And so that's something in the context of our team as well that he's capable. He has some defensive tools, but it has to be a mentality shift. So when he says, I'm here to play defense, defense cool let's see it that's that's a first step is is him saying that's a priority to me but i'll let's see it yeah let's see it i, I mean uh, i was laughing when you said it's it's like there's it's like a couple of things right because you were saying like oh when it comes to a defense ah uh, you you know a lot of things i didn't like it but it's really a couple of things and i'm 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 off camera laughing to myself right because i'm thinking yeah it's only a couple of things it's carrying and it's technique <laughs> aside from that right like how how do you like the play yeah right right, <laughs> right? <laughs> so well in, so i don't need to say <laughs> well so i see so, I'm, 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 I, I, no he's okay for like he's fine as like he's shooting guard size he is right. not malik monk sized right he's bigger than that right and so like that's the thing. I just mean, Pete I mean, is, in contrast to right, like a big, a bigger wing, like that's all. Yes, like he's no, a he's not size. for sure. That's all. Yes, he's he, not a wing size. He is not Danny Green's. He is not Danny Green size, right? But he is Alex Caruso sized. Uh, not quite. He is not as like outwardly muscular as Caruso. But I bet if we looked up their measurements, they would probably both be about like six four, two hundred pounds in terms of what they're listed. Anyways, Walker has a competitive streak issue defensively. Now, is that going to be resolved? Maybe. Personally, 
I like to see that in players and not have to question mm-hmm. whether or not it's there. Like, and and that's just look. I'd say that about Monk last season, and this is where Pete, like, I am skeptical. This is where I'm probably most skeptical about Walker. If you would have told me, and now a bunch of things went wrong last season, so don't get me wrong here, and I don't want to lose all the context just to make a point. But I would tell you that Malik Monk and a bunch of other dudes, they played for Frank Vogel, and they had LeBron James and Anthony Davis Mm -hmm. on their team, and I saw a lot of dudes not necessarily caring about defense to the level they needed to care about defense last season. Now, to be fair to those same players and to Frank Vogel and to LeBron James and to Anthony Davis and the leadership within the team, a lot of dudes did try on a lot of possessions too. And and, and so I think that that is that first step with Walker, Mike. It's that if the mindset is there from the beginning from the team, and this is the ethos of the team, and this mm-hmm. is what we're establishing, if you want to be on the outside of that, guess what? Troy Brown's going to play over you. Austin Reeves is going to play over you. And there's probably going to be several dudes who find their way in to the lineup. Juan Toscano Anderson is not a shooting guard, but he may be a shooting guard too. And so there's several wing-sized dudes who can slot in. And depending on what else you have on the court, there's lots of guys who are 6'4", 6'5". It's just like, no, we're going to play this this dude instead. If you want to be on the outside looking in in terms of mentality and focus and defensive intensity, that Darvin Ham's going to try to establish that very early in camp. And when I say very early, I mean before the first practice. That idea is going to be there, Mike. And so that's where Walker is going to need to put his effort where his mouth is, right? Because it's one thing to try to win the press conference and say some stuff. It's another thing when you're out on the court, what are you going to do and what are you going to be? And that's where when Pete's saying, show me, show me, right? And and don't do it because dudes like me are saying, show me, do it because the dudes who are going to rely on you, they're like, we need you to do this. And that's the bridge that needs to get crossed. So I do want, this is a, unrelated a quick aside and i'm doing just doing this more so i don't forget but i did talk to a couple spurs folks and walker apparently is like one of the best guys uh going it just a super sharp like the he the what he does in the community like all that stuff is real real awesome um, so that's something i'm looking forward to and i, I just wanted to get that on awesome. there because I, I a couple you you can talk to people like that and they don't uh from other teams and they're not going to tell you that if it's not true you know um, so, so that's something I just wanted to, I wanted to put on wax. So that's great. Now, I, I think that generally whenever we say show me, it doesn't usually happen to, because it, these players are mostly who they are. Now it does happen. Sometimes you do see some guys have a certain development that kicks in or they, they have a, an epiphany or they hit a, they hit a wall, like the, the way that Dwight Howard did a couple of years ago where they know it's their last stand and they have to adjust the way they play. So that it does happen, but more often than not, the reason that the defense is like that is because that's just always been the way that he's played defense. And a coach can try and direct that and channel that a, a few times, right? But ultimately you can't keep having the same conversation over and over in the film room with the player. Darius, jump in. No, Mike. And who was his coach? Yeah, we're not talking about some random. It's, it's dude, not like Pop right? was in the film room just being like, you know what, Lonnie, that last possession that uh, that I know Pete's eyes is going to point out in the Laker <laughs> film room podcast next year. When he's yes, this is exactly what Greg, um, Greg Popovich was saying. Yeah, that that wasn't great <laughs> defensively. Do you think you can change that for next game? You know what I'm saying? So it's I, that's where my, it's again. It's the expectation part where 
if I have to pick, and, and some of this is going to be an overcorrection for last season, sure. but if I've got to pick between Juan Toscano Anderson competing his ass off on the defensive end versus having a little bit more upside with Lonnie Walker going off or getting five threes in the game, you know, I'm going for JTA in that kind of a setting. 100%. And I think part of the reason why that dynamic exists on teams is a certain like, well, who's going to play instead of me type of thing, right? And so that's something, if you look at last year's Lakers team, you had a group of younger guys that did play hard, especially once we got Stanley and went in toward the end of the year, but certainly not at the beginning of the year. THT was hurt. So we didn't have kind of those motor guys in the first place. And then a bunch of guys whose kind of general disposition is not to play with a great deal of zest and, and run the floor hard and run the floor fast. That's just not who they were. And so I think that creates a certain environment of like, well, if you're not going to play me, are you really going to play this dude instead? I'm still providing more. And it's not even a conscious thing. It's just something that competition brings out a certain level of, like like D was saying, if you don't bring that, you are clearly not as good as the other options that we have. That's one of the good parts about having several players on that uh, on that same salary tier, right, is that there's not a ton of politics for the one year guys that are like, oh, we got to we, we can't bench him. We can't have him not in the rotation. So it certain, I think creates a certain competitive level, Mike, on the team that on a team that didn't have that. Yeah, that guy is totally going to have that same type of attitude. But I do think the environment can can change that even beyond the just hoping for an epiphany. Yeah, And also last year, some of the guys like DeAndre Jordan or Trevor Reza who had had these long careers and especially with a coach like Vogel, where they were going to get a chance, you know, to start. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like the, the, because Lonnie Walker is on a slightly bigger contract than Troy Brown Jr. I don't know that Darvin Ham need, you know, feels that he needs to have a certain amount more reps or chances. Like to me, that's like a real, these are real training camp type mm-hmm. battles. And one guy plays better and he fits what the scheme is then. All right. Well, that's where we're starting. Mm-hmm. It's not the, and, and I think, the, well, not to, I wasn't going to bring Russ into this, but I'm, I'm just saying like if depending on how Russ plays early in the season, that should dictate minutes more so than it might have last year. Also, oh, mm-hmm. right. Positive or negative. And, and that the only two guys baked in for those types of minutes are LeBron and AD mm-hmm. uh, as you as you enter this season. That's right. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Right. And, and, and so. The thing I'm looking at with Walker and it's such a astute point you made, Mike, when it's like. We often say, show me, and like it never gets shown, really. Like it rarely does. But Walker has a certain amount of pedigree as an athlete and as a shot creator and a guy who can do some things on the ball and and off the ball. He has never played with players at the level that Anthony Davis and LeBron are, right? And so he did play with LaMarcus Aldridge. He did play with DeMar DeRozan. Those are very good basketball players. And DeRozan was an all-NBA player. And Aldridge, I think, from a career perspective, he'll probably go down as one of the more underrated players when you look back at his career because he did accomplish some things as well. But they're not LeBron and Anthony Davis. And so I'll be very interested in seeing how, if at all, LeBron and AD, who share an agent with Lonnie Walker, are going to get through to him if they do at all, right? And 
if Walker is able to take some positive steps in the right direction from a I am capable of doing some things. So I rattled off some shooting numbers last season for Lonnie Walker, and he shot poorly. It's not a secret. You can go to his basketball reference page and there it is like, oh, 31.4% on threes last season, 40% overall from the field. He shot a career best 48.7% on twos, but that's actually not very good on two point shots. You actually want a guy who's going to shoot like over 50% on twos, especially in today's NBA, because you want him to do well, like in the paint, but where it's not in the restricted area. But I will say the season before that Walker shot 35.5% on 4.7 threes a game. So he shot a full like 40% higher on threes, right? Or like, or four percentage points higher. I'm sorry, excuse me, on threes and on basically the same amount of volume. And and so some of this to me is just like, okay, what is your shot quality? And are 10 or 15 more threes going to fall over the course of the season? And is that going to be um, the right threes, right? Because they could be end of season threes that don't mean anything. And, And so I guess in the big picture, and again, I really want to get a sense from you guys on if this is an optimistic perspective or one that's realistic at all is I think the right version of Walker in the right sized role where the asks are going to be what they're going to be from this coaching staff playing next to the players that you expect him to play alongside. Do you see a path towards for Walker to be a different-ish sort of player than what he's been the first four years of his career or five years of his career because I don't think that's too optimistic but maybe that's me reaching a little bit because what I saw from him last year did not impress enough where that's beating me back some a little bit too. I do see an optimistic path and I I do I, I think that path is realistic enough to where it's certainly possible. The thing that I think it hinges on is that ability to operate off of the ball. The way this ends up working out is that he gets to just be a finisher and be a great athlete. Like Mike said something earlier that really stuck with me, that the defense knows when he's out there. That's not something that describes every player. He's a gunner. He can really score and he can score in a number of ways. Playing into that quickly. That's that's where I get into the whole percentages thing doesn't matter as Mm -hmm. much. Like, you know, when if it's now 31 matters, but like if it's 35 and if it's between 35 and 40, but he shoots with the type of confidence that defenses respect there. It's there's, there's just yes. a feeling of certain guys where they can sense the scoring mentality. And, and that's part of like where, where the, where he will make the defense rotate, I think. And that's kind of my, my, what I need the most from a shooter. I, I got a name for you guys. And obviously Walker is not this type of shooter, but I hope you see some of the overlap that I see. J.R. Smith. That ability to score off of a bunch of different types of shots to fill a lane and to operate at high speed and kind of like Walker can make some wild ass shots. Like there's sometimes where he'll pull something like where it's like and not to the degree of like Malik Monk, right? Malik's just, you know, top five, top 10 in the game at that that sort of thing. But Walker will hit some shots where, you know, it's up and then down and then under and some spin off of the glass. He's got a nice little floater where he, where he uses the backboard. He has some J, some Jordan Clarkson in him when navigating ball screens, right? But 
that as the third or fourth option on the floor, especially with other guys who run the floor and get out into transition with like an ultimate decision maker, like Darius was saying earlier that one of the big things is going to be his decision making. Can he grow in that respect? Well, what if you take a lot of the decisions out of his hands? And he's more of just a finisher. Now you got to make the shots, right? When I watched his tape and his threes early on in the season, he had a bit of a hitch in his shot and he was releasing the ball a little bit late, but he was missing like, it was the types of misses where he needed some time to just get his shot right. And I think that's one of the things that happened in the second half of the season too. But it was like a, a technical, you know, the golf swing needs a little bit of work type of thing. And so that's one of the things that when you look at his season long numbers and you compare to previous years, right? I'm very much with Mike in that whole, like you're in a certain bandwidth of percentages where a lot of context matters or a couple of shots being different, you know, leads to a different result. But ultimately I think that the optimistic, but also potentially realistic version of Walker really popping for the Lakers is that he can just live as that finisher, athlete, gunner type of guy while LeBron's, uh, you know, making a lot of the decisions and he he's just free to be who he is. And Mike, this is why I think like the Malik Monk comp that has sort of been out there that a few guys have written about and like, oh, um, like the Lakers see him as a potential Monk replacement. That's why like I try to shy away from that because while Pete you're right that there is some three-level scoring ability and there is some shot maker quality to him and there is some athletic pop and juice and it's just like oh look at that you got some some of that in your game and while you don't want to root all of that stuff out and all of that creativity out you also don't want that to be like hey go out there and cook for us Because he's not good enough at that to say, like, that should be the part of your game that we're trying to highlight, right? Like, Monk was good enough at that to say, hey, man, go eat some possessions for us. Go run a pick and roll. You're actually a good enough passer. For Walker, it's why some of the – it's just like, I want Walker to be more on the – I'm open – off this kickout, I'm shooting. Oh, the closeout's here. I'm driving the closeout. Like, I want his reads to be to read. Like, shot, drive. Okay, now that I'm driving, how am I going to play this now? And and then it's that sort of like in the middle of the play decision making where I saw Walker play a lot off of one foot. Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky sort of way to play because you end up in the air a lot. And so he was taking, and this was earlier in the season, but he was taking a lot of like driving left, jumping off of one foot and then like shooting across his body and like banking shots in. Now That's one of his shots. It's yes. not something that would fly in a high level playoff game, but he loves to drive left. He doesn't really use his left hand that much. And so, yeah, he'll drive left at full speed and then they'll both jump and then he brings it back across his body. And he's actually pretty, pretty good at that shot. No. And so that's an interesting shot, but I'm just saying it's just like, okay, once you're sort of in the mix there, what is your next read? And those are the decisions that a lot of times guys don't improve at that decision. There's also... I didn't read that comparison that you were talking about, Darius, for the article about kind of like the Lakers perspective on Walker as in context with Monk. But when you were saying it, the context that I could think of is not about the player per player. It's more of a 
try to find a guy who, you know, who another team that's young that another team didn't keep and show that he's better than where the, what he was in that place. Um, I think that, but to Pete's point, or even to your point about the drive and what Walker does when he gets in there, the fact that he doesn't switch to his left like Malik does and then like flip in a, a finger roll that goes in every time, like that is the difference, yeah. right? That is the difference of like, hey, go get me a bucket, dude, versus you are a, you are a piece within this offense and your main job is to, you know, space the floor, attack a closeout real hard, get up and out, you know, be a real role player. Malik is like, Malik is a, is not a role player in that sense where he has enough special skills, even though he's not going to do it at a higher usage, but then he's going to take so much away from you on defense. And that's, that's to me, like you can't be a role. You can't be more than a role player if you can't be counted on, on both ends really. Um, But I digress. I just wanted to make that distinction between the, the, the way the Lakers might perceive Monk and Walker in that sense. And it's super important to point that out because it's going to be all about the defensive end, ultimately, in terms of if Lonnie Walker is someone that's going to be a quality role player. I Like I would assert that to be a role player, you have to play defense. The only real exceptions to that are the elite High-level scorers, the Jamal Crawford, Jordan Pools, and uh, those guys oftentimes, too, come playoff time. Lou Williams, guys like that, their games doesn't last. Their game doesn't last too deep into the playoffs. And so that's something that's important. If Walker is going to last into the playoffs, he's got to play the type of defense that I do think he's capable of, but he hasn't shown consistently enough. All right, this was fun, guys. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans staying around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.